We're, so we're in, the, we're in the middle, literally the halfway point of this series that we're calling 12 Words. And uh, we've been journeying through the idea of what essential spirituality is, what, what the essentials are of faith. And we've been exploring these key concepts and key words that are on these posters around the, the walls. And so far, we've talked about what it means to be powerless before God, what it means to hope in God, to trust in God, what it means to be radically honest with yourself and name the things inside of you that aren't so pretty, uh, the crutches we have, what it means to share that with another human being. And then last week, we talked about the idea of once you've named your stuff and once you've told it to another person, what it means to then release that stuff. And, and the challenge of these things that we often have in our lives are like crutches. And when you throw down your crutch, you know, it's a scary moment. And yet we know that ultimately our crutches, uh, they keep us weak and they keep us from experiencing the healing that might be on the other side. And so what I believe is that God wants to heal us and that anything that we kind of substitute in our own power is never as good as what God wants to do through his power. So we, we uh, walked through this framework, of, at least for the last three weeks, of the idea of self-honesty and confession and release is like name it, tell it, and release it to somebody. Name it and tell it and release it to somebody. And now what we're going to do today is a, a little bit of an interesting, uh, uh, interesting day because we're actually going to talk about the last part of releasing it. And that is the idea of being dependent on God. And then we're also going to talk about another aspect of this journey that we haven't really touched on just yet. And so what we're going to do is uh, you should have gotten a little card with a, a prayer on it uh, when you came in. And we're going to read this prayer together. And what this prayer represents is your commitment and your desire to release your crutch. You know, last week we walked up, we dropped stuff in a little fire pit here. But this is the other part of that. We release it, but we also have to ask God to take it from us because the essence of this whole journey is, right, we don't fix ourselves. God fixes us. But we do our part so that God does his part. It's really that simple. And so we're gonna read this prayer to, uh, in, in just a moment. And what I'm going to tell you about this is that this is a prayer that I pray uh, every morning, every morning. And because I'm just being honest here, the things that I release in my life, they somehow find their way back into my hand quite a bit. I don't know if you're like that at, at all. Uh, you know, so I say, I release my pride, I release anger, and then somehow I'll look down and I'm like, wait a minute, I've got pride and anger in my hand again. Where did that come from? And so for me, I have to make a daily ongoing commitment to release those crutches in my life. And your invitation here is to not just make this prayer something you, you do right now, but that you might take it and you might like take it into your life in a deep and vital way. So uh, let's read these words together. If, if you don't have one, maybe somebody near you has one that you can look on to. But let's read this. Father, I am now willing that you should have all of me, both good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you 
and to others. Grant me strength and courage as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. So just a couple of things about this prayer that I just want to highlight and kind of blowtorch a little bit. Um, I like the very last phrase. Grant me the strength and the courage to go out from here to do your bidding. You know, the end result of this faith and this spirituality is not that we get to do our own will. It is that we get to do the will of God, which for a lot of us is really encapsulated of like, take anything out of my life, God, that gets in the way of me serving you and serving other people. Those are the things that like we get those crutches in our lives and they're there and they, they are barriers to me being available and present to other people. Can I love them? Can I have compassion on other folks? And can I put myself in, a, in the right relationship to God to say, it's not about me doing my will, God. I wanna do your will, your bidding. So if you take this into your life, hear me clearly that it's not about mouthing the words every day. It's not about checking off, hey, I, I prayed that prayer that, that Pastor Eric gave me. It is the heart and the will behind the words that matter. So if you take this, man, lean into it, slow way down. What does it mean to say remove every single defect of character? And if you guys remember last week, we talked about, in a very broad sense, you can put all of the character defects, all of the junk that gets between me and other people and me and God, and you collapse them into three buckets. I don't know if you remember what they were, but they're pride, self-centeredness, and fear. Pride, self-centeredness, and fear. Almost everything, every single thing that's wrong in my life can be put into those big buckets. They're nasty buckets. But... That's what it means. Maybe you have more things than that. And before we go on and talk about uh, this other little twist of this journey, I want to pause and I want to kind of jump in a way to the end of the sermon, which a lot of you guys are good because I want to go to lunch now. No, I want to give, give you the why. I want to give you the why. Why do this? Why go on this journey? Because a lot of this journey is not fun. A lot of this journey is about, like I said, hey, I'm going to name the stuff inside of me and I'm going to share it with another person. And that sometimes is, oh man, I got to be honest with myself and with other people about the ugliness in my life. I got to readjust my priorities. Why? Why would you do that? Well, the first easy answer is because, look, sometimes I get to a point where I admit that my life is a mess and I need help. Those are the easy things. Maybe if you're just honest with yourself and with somebody else, she's like, well, I'm gonna do this because what I've been doing is not working very well. But I wanna give you the second why. If that doesn't work for you this morning, how about this? How about this? Have you seen the news lately? Have you seen the news lately? I named those three big buckets, pride, fear, self-centeredness. Do you think the world needs more pride in, the, in it? Do you think the world needs more self-centered people in it? Do you think the world needs more fear in it? No. So like, if you're like, you know what? I could take or leave my, my self-changing. I would just say, man, look around you. Do you think the world needs more angry people in it? Do you think the world needs more self-focused people in it? I don't think it does. I think we're about done with those. I think we got our quota. So why not switch it? 
And why not go on the journey for the sake of the world that God so loved and has a plan for? And why not say, you know what? I'm going to become one of God's people that are saying, I'm going to try to be less angry and less self-centered. And I'm going to have less fear because God's got this. I just have to make room in my life for it. That's the why. Amen? Amen. So if you pray this prayer and you've gone through all these steps so far, today is a little bit about, okay, where do I go from here? And, and I want to give you two, uh, two challenges, two places to go. One, we're going to have a baptism gathering in a few weeks. And if this has been meaningful for you and you're at a place where you're like, you know what, I've never made that public statement of, look, I am, I am on the Jesus project. I am part of the kingdom of God and i got to tell somebody. You can sign up through my E3 and we will be more than happy to get you a little wet on November 5th, okay? But the second thing is really what I want to talk to you guys about today. And that is, if you uh, have gone on this journey so far, I want to suggest to you that it might be good to find what I'm going to call today a guide or a navigator. A guide or a navigator. If you have your Bibles and you want to open to Matthew uh, chapter 9, we're going to start at the very end of 9 and read a few chapters or a few verses of, of chapter 10. So 9 uh, verse 35 states, starts like this. Jesus, he went through all the towns and the villages of where he lived, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want, before we go on, I want to stop right there because I think we get this about Jesus. He was a man of compassion. And he sees these people around him. And sometimes Jesus just says, look, there's people who are hungry. I'm going to feed them. There's people who need healing. I'm going to heal them. But he doesn't always do that. Listen to what he does next. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So in this time, Jesus says, look, I know I can heal folks. I know I can feed folks. But he looks to his disciples and says, pray to God to send out workers. Then uh, chapter 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gives them authority, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So he gives them the authority to do the same things that he's doing. And then down a few verses in verse five, he goes out and he unpacks the instructions a little more. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He says, don't go to the Gentiles or enter any town of, of the Samaritans. It's got to start with, with us first. He says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near, which is that's what, that's what Jesus proclaimed. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. So, I want to suggest that what Jesus does right here is he says, look, even though my kingdom is about me, it's centered around me, there are other people who have responsibilities to go do stuff in this kingdom. And the reason I, I throw it out that way is because I don't think, sometimes I wonder if, if us in the church and if you're visiting, coming into this faith thing, if we realize that we sometimes need 
guidance in our journey of faith. Like sometimes I think we fall into this trap that if we come to, come to church on Sunday, we go to a growth group, we serve like E3 says we're supposed to do, we read our Bible, like sometimes I, I wonder if we think that that's it and I'm gonna figure out this faith thing by, by myself, by doing these things. But you see, in my life, things haven't worked that way for me. You see, everything that I ever wanted to do, every, every journey that I wanted to go on, every, every sort of leap of my you know, life when I wanted to do something else or be something else has involved me finding a guide to help me. Anybody else like this? Anytime I wanted to learn a skill, when I wanted to learn guitar, I got a teacher. When I wanted to, uh, when I started a new job and I wanted to figure out how to, how to do that job, it wasn't just me reading the awful HR manual that I had, but eventually it was tapping somebody who had experience at that place and saying, you show me how this works. For those of you guys who maybe who are like, like really passionate about sports, I mean, at one point you had a coach, you know, saying, look, look, look if you're learning to bat, you know, your hips got to go this way. If you're learning to throw a spiral, you hold your hand. There's a, there's a teaching that's almost always a one-on-one -on -one teaching. But sometimes I get afraid that, that, that the church and faith and spirituality, we wall off from that idea. And we go, well, I don't need every, anybody to show me that stuff because it's just Jesus in me. Well, that's true, but even when Jesus was doing his ministry, he said, hey, other people, you go out and do those things too. There are guides and folks out there who are wandering around who are meant to help Jesus in a way with his ministry to interact with us. Every important or valuable journey, especially the journey of faith, isn't that the most important journey? It's been the most important journey in my life. Every journey requires a guide but I don't know if we ever like really latch onto that idea in the church. And I think sometimes we uh, say, well, I don't need a guide for faith. That's just the Bible. Guides are, are really critical in popular culture. Let me show you a couple guides. Like just, I was thinking about this week. First guide, Gandalf, my man with the Bono shades on. Gandalf in Tolkien's world is a guide. He's meant to kind of show all the, you know, dwarves and elves. Yes, it's that geeky. Um, and literally in the Lord of the Rings, he's meant to guide Frodo and, and the, the Fellowship of the Ring to how to destroy the ring. Another, another slide, another guide from popular culture. It's a Sherpa. Anybody ever read or watch a documentary about like scaling Everest? Like, so these are the folks, and it's an ethnic group. It's actually an ethnic group in Tibet that are typically charged with getting people up the last pit, bit, especially, of Everest. And they are remarkable, remarkable athletes. Like this guy is carrying, uh, read the you know, thing about the photograph. He's carrying his body weight on his back at 24,000 feet. And not only is he going to climb the mountain, but he's going to make sure that a lot of Western folks who have spent a lot of money to get to Everest, he's going to make sure that they get up Everest and, and hopefully get back down without losing their life. Or It's a dangerous thing to do. And these folks do it all the time. Next, <laughs> Maui from Moana. Um, this is actually pretty interesting. I mean, he's kind of like, he's, they say he's like his demigod in the movie. But in this culture, in Polynesian culture, there are these people called navigators. 
And uh, I was reading about it this week that these folks, for generations, they have learned to navigate through the islands of the Pacific which, with very little instrumentation. But they have learned, like, if you're going on a journey, I know how to get from here to there. And, and it says that they can look at a cloud formation off in the distance and they go, that's where the land is. Because I can tell because of what the clouds are doing overhead. I watched a documentary where a guy's sitting in this very primitive, basic boat. And he says, uh, there are eight swells in the ocean that I can recognize. And he's sitting there and he's like, there's two happening right now. And I'm just looking at him going, like, it looks like to me like you're just bobbing. But he said, no, there's two going on right now. And because one's coming from the north, it means this. Because one's from, coming from the east, it means that. So this is the direction I go. They see things that ne- nobody else sees in order to get people to, on a journey. Next, the ultimate guide, Yoda. Luke shows up on Dagobah, right? And, and Yoda's like, I'm gonna guide you on your journey. I know that you're trying to get from here to there. You're trying to become a Jedi warrior, a Jedi master. And so Yoda speaks to him and, and challenges him and shows him things about how to get where he's trying to go. And so here's what I wanna, uh, here's what I wanna ask you. Uh, the, way, the, reason, the way you find out, first of all, that if you need a guide, I would suggest to you is uh, if you can complete this sentence or these sentences, I am trying to blank. Or I would like to become more blank, more loving, more financially responsible, more present with my family. I am trying to become more peaceful, more loving, more generous. Guess what? If you can put anything at the end of these sentences, you might need a guide. You might need a guide. You're going on a journey. There's some place, there's some place that you are that you want to get to. And if that's true, then you can use a guide to help you. So let me ask you this. The way, the way I put it to myself this, this week is, what is the critical journey that you're on right now? What's the critical journey that you're on? What's the thing in your life that you're like, I'm trying to get from here to there? Is it a vocational journey? I'm trying to change my career. I'm trying to develop a career. Is it parenting? I want to become a better mother, a better father. Is it artistic? Is it spiritual? I hope it's spiritual. That's what we exist here at E3 to do. You're just like, man, I need a change in my life. I want to become more like Jesus. There are subsets of the spiritual life too. Like I want to learn about prayer. I, w- I want to learn about worship. You know, Lori says that worship is something we do, and, and I see people singing, and I come into this place, and I'm like, I have no, you people are weird and crazy, and I never sing. Uh, what do I do here? I want to I know more about worship, musical worship. I want to know about service. What is it? What's your critical journey right now in your life? Because if, if, if you can put something after that, I am trying to, I would like to become more then you're prime for a guide or a navigator or a helper. So what I want to do in, in, the, in the minutes that we have is get real practical. You see, like this journey of, of, of powerlessness and hope and trust, all of these things, like we can do some of this stuff on our own, but there is nothing wrong. And I would even say it is critical that at some point you're like, man, I need to sit down with somebody and talk about how to become powerless. How do I adopt hope in God? 
how do I really trust in God? Because let's face it, can I be honest? Trust is sometimes difficult. How do I do it? There are guides in this community. You can look around this room. You can look around your growth group. You can look around your service team, and chances are you will have laid eyes on a guide. Most of us have a little more gray hair than you do, but not all of us. It's not an age thing. It is just the willingness to say, look, that guy or that, that lady, they seem to have this parenting thing on lockdown. Yeah, they're very rare, I know. Like, whatever, like, unicorn rare. This person or that person, they seem to have their finances, like, under control. How did they do that? This person seems to know a lot about prayer. They're very centered. They're very peaceful. How did that happen? And so you say, man, I think I need a guide, and I think I may, I may have located one. Now, some, some, some tips. So here's what guides do. Um, guides, they show you what's possible. Again, it's just that simple. I have a, you know, if you have a temper, you notice somebody who has a lot of patience. Oh, that's possible. You mean it's possible for somebody to have patience? You mean it's possible for a parent to kind of be centered and focused? Is it possible to have a rich marriage and a rich relationship with your friends? They show you what's possible. When I was starting out playing guitar, you know, I'm trying to learn three chords and I'm sitting down with a teacher and I can go, oh, you mean it's possible to play guitar like that? That's possible. The guide shows you what's possible. They show you how to make the journey. They say, all right, come on. Let's start this. Here's what you got to do. They direct you relatedly to key activities and knowledge. And this is the thing. It's not always go and read a book. You know, the, Sher the Sherpa are not sitting there at, at, at the last base camp and they're like, good luck on the summit. Here's a pamphlet. We'll see you on the way back down. No, they're going to tell you, step here. Don't step there. Watch for this ice. Watch the way the, the waves move if you're a navigator. If it's the spiritual life, they're going to say, don't do that habit. Maybe think about this habit. It's not just knowledge, but it's also the activities. Next, they help you carry the burden. They help you carry the burden because especially with the spiritual stuff, when you start talking about the, the stuff inside your life, it gets heavy real quick. Anybody ever been there? And these guides don't just sit back and they go, oh, man, that must be rough. Anyway, a good guide comes in and they say, man, I, I bet that's hard. Let me, let me be there with you in that. And they share that with you. But the most important thing is they encourage you to be what I'm calling just self-sustaining. Because a good guide knows that they may not be able to walk the whole journey with you. What they need to do is resource you to be able to make the journey for yourself. So they're going to tell you, look, you should do this. They're going to show you, you should know this. You should read this. But guess what? You got to do it. You got to do it. That's what guides do. That's what a good guide has done for me, whether it has been spiritual stuff or whether it has been musical stuff. 
So uh, I, I want to I kind of unpack just the idea uh, that we threw out with this uh, Matthew 9 verse. You see, in, in the faith, in this spiritual thing that we do in Christianity, in a way, it all boils down to guides. Yes, we have the church, and yes, we have this Bible, but there's also a reality that one-on-one sharing of lives is our legacy of faith. A mentor of mine used to say, look, Christianity is only ever one generation away from extinction. The moment a generation checks out about telling the next generation and guiding them and navigating them through faith, we are in trouble. You feel that? All through the Bible, there are, there are, there are hints and, 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 and indications of this. In the Psalms, the writer says things like, look, I'm going to declare your name in the great assembly, God. They write, I'm going to tell the next generation about your wonderful deeds. Psalm 78, I just read it this morning. I'm going to tell the next generation about the God that we, I have served so that this thing can be passed on and I can guide the next generation. I love Paul in in the letter of 1 Corinthians twice. He just says, hey, um, imitate me. Imitate me. And a lot of us, like, I think there's a lot of guides in our community who would not have the courage to say what Paul just said. Because I know that there are folks who are further down the road in certain areas of their lives. There are guides in our community And let me just tell you that there are some folks that need to hear, step up and don't be afraid to tell somebody, hey, in this area of your life, in the finances, in relationships, in prayer, you can imitate me. You can imitate me. I'll guide you. I'll be your navigator. I don't think that we should go, oh, but he was Paul, so he 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 had the ability to write that. Folks, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is given to all the church. So, um, if you are a guide, if you have said imitate me, or maybe you feel like you should, before I let you out of here, let me give you some guidance. This is the guidance for the guides. Uh, So, first guidance, look, you have to serve first and direct second. You have to serve first and direct second. See, this is where a lot of things get sideways because someone might say, hey, can you guide me on this? And, and, our, and sometimes the first response is, well, yes, okay, stop doing this and stop doing that, stop doing this and do this and do that, and you can just do what I say. And it's a little bit heavy-handed first. If you're going to guide somebody, this is done in a spirit of service to them, not like I'm going to squash you or turn you into a mini-me. Remember, it's about a journey. How can I serve you on your journey? Which is the second question. Start with that journey. Where do you want to be in five years? What do you want your life to look like in five years? And and here's the deal. If you're ever in a position where you're guiding somebody, sometimes people will sit down and they'll go, this is where I want to be in five years. And you will realize you are not the guide for that person. Because... What you're good at and passionate about is not where they want to go, and that's okay. And you just say, oh, that's cool. I don't know if I'm the guide for you, but I know somebody who might be. But you start with serving. Where do you want to go? What's the journey you're on? 
Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can't. Next. Don't just tell people. Show them. Don't just tell people about prayer. Don't just tell people about worship. Show them. Don't just tell them how to run their finances. Show them how to create a budget. Don't just tell people about how to do relationships good. Show them. Look, when, when, you're, when you're, your friend says this, maybe you should say that. That's the, the loving thing to do. Last thing, remember it's their journey, not yours. Remember it's their journey, not yours. You've been up the mountain maybe already. You've been to the islands already. You've got some of this figured out. This is about serving them and then releasing them to go do the thing that they need to grow at. It's not your journey. And sometimes as guides, we can be like, oh, this is cool. This is my journey over and over again. No, no, no. Your job is to release them to complete their journey. Not so that you can just complete yours again. So if, if you're a guide and, and, you've, and you know you are and, and you have picked out somebody maybe and you're already in that relationship, look, those are some guidelines for you. But I want to go back before we, uh, before we get out of here. I want to go back to the scripture in Matthew 9 because there's another reality to embrace here. You see, again, Jesus goes through the towns and the villages. He's teaching in the synagogue. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and he's healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he said, look, they need some guide, and the guides and they need some navigators and they need some help. So he sends out uh, his disciples. He says he has compassion they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, send out the workers into his harvest field. He calls his 12 and gives him authority and says, go out and do the things that I was doing. And then he gives them these instructions again in verse 7. As you go out, proclaim this message. It's the message that Jesus did. The kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons. Freely you've received, so freely give. Go be a navigator for somebody. Go be a guide for somebody. And you know what the significance of this is? You see, I think a lot of times we think that if we think that we're, we're called to guide somebody or navigate life with somebody, we're waiting for Jesus to kind of send down a holy diploma or a certificate from the sky that says, you are ready. You are ready. Uh, maybe it's a, a pastor. I got a job title now. I'm a pastor. I can go. No, 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 no. These, these disciples, they're at the beginning of their journey with Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? Go out. Go out. Don't wait for the diploma. Don't wait for the certificate. Yeah, you don't have it all figured out. But the beauty of the church is that we are all called to be guides for each other. We're all called to be guides for each other. You don't graduate into navigator land in the church. Now, granted, you might have some expertise that nobody else has, and you might have some experience that nobody else has. But look, you could be at the front end of your journey. And you are called just as much to help somebody else and to reach back with that hand and say, come on, I'll help you. You're, you're as much called to that as some of us who have been doing this faith thing for decades. We are all guides, all of us. And we do it because Jesus looks out on this world, all of us, and he says, they're harassed. They're helpless. 
Jesus has compassion on. Can we have compassion for the folks in our growth group? You know, or, or maybe is there somebody in your growth group and you're like, man, I've heard this person tell me this story about how they're walking through relationship, relationship, relate, after relationship, and they're never kind of getting that thing right. And instead, you're, you're, sitting back on your, you're sitting back on your rear end when you should have said, you know what? You want to go to coffee? Because I, I've walked a little bit of that world. And I say, look, um, what, journey are you, what journey do you want to go on? Can I help you? What are you waiting for? If you need a guide, what are you waiting for? It starts with a cup of coffee. And you're not going to fix each other's problems, and you're not going to complete the journey in one cup of coffee. Probably not in five. But maybe around 10, you're going to get some traction. And maybe around 20, that relationship is going to start deepening, and that person is going to start growing. Or you're going to start growing. That's what we're called to do. This journey of week after week after week after week, reach out to somebody and go, man, I need, I need that one-on-one help because this is where I'm trying to go. And by the way, if I haven't made it clear already, this is not like, okay, email all the staff members you know. Because this is not a staff deal. This is a church deal. You don't have to have a title after your name. You don't have to have an element3.org email address. You just have to have a compassionate heart and a willingness to admit that you need help. Amen? Let's stand up for closing prayer. So there's a prayer uh, that we're going to read together. And uh, the thing about prayers are that sometimes I want to be explicit. Like sometimes, uh, you know, prayer is not something that you watch from the stage when Lori prays or I pray. Prayer is something that we do as a church. And so we're going to read this together. And then we're going to go out and try to live these words out as best we can. So, Father, we are so grateful to you for this journey of faith, no matter how rough the seas can get. Regardless of where we are on our own personal journeys, whether we are leading or being led by others, we know that you are the ultimate navigator. We cannot depend on ourselves. We can only depend on you to get us where you are calling us. Thank you for your guidance. Amen.